This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You are listening to the E2C Network, where the Auburn family speaks. War Eagle Auburn family, and welcome back to another edition of E2C Extra here on the E2C Network. This is a series where we get together and we talk about anything Auburn related. If it's orange and blue, it is what we do. It can be like sports related, not sports related, doesn't really matter. I mean, we've done a show about The Bachelor for crying out loud, and there was only the loosest tie to Auburn. This is usually the series where these type of things are included. And I always like to bring in guests to join me in these type of episodes. So I have brought in someone you're very familiar with. He is the owner and operator of the Auburn Uniform Database and the czar of all things Auburn tradition, Mr. Clint Richardson. Welcome to the show, Clint. What up? Clint, how do you feel like being uh, named a czar of Auburn tradition? I kind of came <laughs> up with that one. Uh, well, we'll credit you to that one. Eh, I'm, I'm down with it. Uh, uh, you know, czar you know. <laughs> is a little too communistic for my liking, but hey, it just kind of it kind of flows. You know, the czar of Auburn tradition. It's it's got it's robust. I mean, hey, we gotta we gotta turn that that word and make it positive, right? Uh, hey, listen, that's what you know. Claim it and you know, or reclaim it, or however they say that. We'll we'll make it work. Uh, but as I've alluded to by calling you the czar of tradition, this is going to be a tradition related topic and one that people especially who are listening to this at, you know right after this is posted so if you're listening off far in the future you're just kind of re- ingesting this type of topic here but um recently auburn athletics and auburn university i guess in conjunction um, announced that they were going to be placing some statues to commemorate some very famous auburn names for auburn football and those being coach Shook jordan Coach Pat Dye, and one of the first players at Auburn and an administrator for Auburn Athletics and the university, Cliff Hare. And they are now blessed and graced with their likenesses in statue form right outside the stadium. Literally, the players have to walk right past them to get into the stadium through Tiger Walk. And it's a really cool tradition now that we kind of have added on top of the tradition of Tiger Walk. So we're going to talk about that in some detail and uh, what we think about those particular statues and maybe a little bit of future, you know, prognostication on our part. We always like to do that a little bit. But I want to start off with this, Clint, as the czar of Auburn tradition. <laughs> the concept of honoring Auburn greats, whether they be actual athletes, coaches, administrators, you know, figures that were gone too soon. Just open that topic up for me a little bit. Like, how do you go about figuring out what's the right thing to do and when is it a right time to honor a certain player? Any thoughts about that? Uh, a lot, probably too many to fit into this episode. Um, you know, it's, it's a really tough topic and, you know, I'm probably going to get some heat for being the pushback, but I think you need to have a little bit of pushback in this kind of conversation because, you know, let's be honest, everybody wants to honor their favorite player. You know, when Philip Lutzenkirk and unfortunately passed away years ago, people immediately said retire 43. People have been begging to retire number two for Cam Newton. 
you know, and, you know, I think that those are two completely different players. One spent four years on the planes, one spent one and accomplished, you know, great individual feats. But then, you know, what about Zach Effridge? Zach was one of my favorite players growing up, you know, had a, you know, devastating injury that he overcame and won a title, you know, was, you know, what about him? What about Demon Washington? You know, I could just go on and on about favorite players who came through wearing the orange and blue. Should we honor them somehow? Should we retire their numbers? There's only 90, there's only a hundred numbers that can be used at this point right. in, you know, the football world. So <clears throat> I think that's a difficult, you know, you have to take a step back and understand why are we trying to honor them? What is the correct way to do it? And what can, if we were to retire all these numbers, what kind of complications would that bring up in the future? You know, just look at the New York Yankees in that sense. They have retired more numbers than anybody athletically, and <laughs> they are running out of numbers to be used. And, we're going to see triple know, digits on the back of their jerseys now. I mean, you, you kid, but, you know, thankfully a baseball roster is significantly smaller than a football roster. But that's a, that's a real concern that, people don't like to to consider and statues i think are a completely different story they are much bigger deals and as we've seen in the last couple of years and you know i'm not interested in going into detail about individual statues and and the circumstances around it but the fact that statues are being taken down for myriads of reasons oh yeah that's also a great point. an issue you know, it's, I don't think we're going to have that issue with the few statues we have at Auburn, but what's going to happen when we have to remove one for whatever yeah. reason. And, and that's a, that's a tough situation. So, you know, I actually pulled up a quote. Um, so one of my favorite podcasts is called 99% Invisible. And they recently did an episode with um, the BBC. I think uh, they had, uh, produced the show called Stuff the British Stole. It's all about, you know, things that the British Empire had stolen over time and the connection to, you know, culture and stuff. It's it's a really good series. It's only, I think, six episodes long. So go listen to it if you haven't. But at the end of the 99PI, you know, reposting of it, um, they interviewed the host, Mark Fennell, and he had this to say, and I think that this really kind of put my hesitation of statues in perspective and he said this it's funny with statues statues are such a fascinating thing because when you build a statue to somebody you're not leaving a lot of room for nuance around that statue you build statues to heroes right and if that person is anything less than or more than a hero you're putting a lot of pressure on that single plaque to tell that story and most of the time, those plats don't tell that story. <clears throat> you know, and there's, there's so much that goes into a life, a person's life, that you can't encapsulate it all in a single plaque. Right. Uh, and that goes on a statue. And, you know, when, when Auburn announced that they were going to be erecting these statues of three pivotal men in Auburn football history, I was excited because these are the men that need to be honored in this fashion in this program mm -hmm. and it's it's the perfect history lesson you know pat Dye is the most recent one and there's a lot there are a lot of people in the auburn fandom that 
grew up watching Pat die. There, I, I wasn't. I wasn't born until you know two years after die retired and as as head coach in '92. So I didn't grow up with the die era. I certainly didn't grow up with the Shub German era. And you know, reading stories about him and and people always sharing what they knew about that man just fascinates me. But let's be honest: does anybody really know anything about Cliff Hare? How many people <laughs> didn't even know who? the hair in Jordan hair stadium was until this weekend. Right. You know, I, I knew the name. I knew his connection to the program as being one of the first players on the team, but I did not know his, you know, further, uh, you know, contributions to the community and to the university. And I think that's where, that's where this all really settles is these statues are history lessons and Auburn, needs to continue to tell and celebrate its history. Clint, I mean, my gosh, son, I, you took like five of my questions and just rolled them all up into that one response. I told you that I was, had a lot of thoughts that, about that. This. Was, you did, and that that was great. Um, I'm trying to figure out what angle I want to take with you this now because you covered so <laughs> many different ones. I, I, I love your, you know, honestly, I, I like your questioning of how and when we should honor things, even, when, even if we're not talking about statues. Uh, you know, and the implications of that, the world we're living in now, and I hope that, you know, Auburn has done its due diligence, and I hope that if a situation were to arise where there were some question about whether the statue should exist, that we would all take a beat and really ask, are we honoring that? Are we honoring the accomplishments here on the field? And that's honestly, we are telling the story much broader than that, because that's what the Auburn story is about. But honestly, those statues are about what they did and what they meant to right. this facility and that, and that kind of thing. Right. And, and to, to kind of bounce off of that with an Auburn tie, you know, just go across the street to the Auburn arena. In the rafters, there are numbers retired from great athletes, including Chuck Person, yep. who, as anybody listening to this knows, did a number on the Auburn basketball program recently with some, you know, money laundering offering uh, recruits money and and having an FBI probed investigation right. and right. leavening sanctions on the program. And there are so many people who want to remove his no. number from the rafters. And I, I have issues with that because like you were saying, sometimes I think you have to separate the person, the player and the person, the person, right. you know, and, and I get that you know, person as the coach did harm to the program that he helped build, but that doesn't diminish the amazing playing career he had here at Auburn and beyond in the NBA. And I'm not saying leaving it up or taking down is the right answer. I'm saying that's the complexity to these stories. And, you know, ultimately the, the issue that you have when you put human beings on a pedestal, like, retiring a number or building a statue it's a difficult process and you know it's it's just one that i wish more people had uh the awareness of and the perspective right. of instead of just simply stating we have to do this to this person because they were cool right i agree i agree and there's so many ways that we can like hash this out and talk about the implications of all this stuff and i honestly didn't think we'd go there but i'm glad we did because these are real things <laughs> That need that these are real things though that have to play in these types Absolutely. of decisions and and there's a reality to this we can't just name as you brought the Philip Lutzenkirchen thing and I would love for us to one day maybe a little bit further down the find some way to honor him within that hallowed hall. 
but not necessarily a number retiring, not necessarily a statue, but you know, whether there's a game every time, every year or something that we put 43 on the back of our helmets, you know, I, I don't know, you know, obviously his well, dad and, and works for that foundation. To, so you could do that. Absolutely. And to, you know, kind of go down that road of other ways you can honor somebody. There are rooms, lockers and such and such in these buildings and in these facilities that are named after people, you know, that honestly, you wouldn't really know if you weren't in the facility, you know, the, the trophy room in the athletic department is named the rain room. And honestly, I don't even know who the rains are. Through me rain, yellow fella. I think it's his, his, uh, his father. Well, yes, yes, you're right. Uh, you're right about but that. you know, point still stands. You don't really know much about that. And anybody who's never stepped foot in the rain room or in the athletic department would have no idea that that right. was a thing. And, you know, there, <clears throat> who knows what other, rooms and facilities are named after people in the Oliver Athletics world. But, you know, those are other avenues that you can take to, to do such a thing. Can I make an awkward dad joke real quick? Sure. I made it rain in the rain room by getting engaged in there. Hmm. Let that sit there for a second and awkward transition. Yeah. yeah. Right. Can, we, can we cut that? Can we cut no, that no, that stayed in there for posterity. I love a good dad joke. and I love making people feel awkward. So well, you yes. did just that, so thank you. Yeah, you know, I, the the goal of every podcast is that I can walk away making you feel uncomfortable, Clint. <laughs> That's really what has to happen. I've called you Czar. I've told an awful dad joke. Off to a great start here. All right, well, we've talked we've talked about significance of statues and stuff like that. Let, let's let me ask you a couple of questions about these specific statues, and I, we're going to talk maybe in a little bit about maybe the future of something in addition to this. But of the three that are there, Cliff Air. Pat Dye, Shug Jordan being erected together. Do you think that is the best three to the best three coaches and administrators for Auburn football to honor to start off with? Absolutely. Because they are, you know, as Auburn pitched it, they, these three men are the namesake for the facility that we walk into, you know, eight Saturdays a year. Um, it's Jordan Hare Stadium. So you got Shug Jordan and Cliff Hare. And I don't think a lot of people really realize that the field is also named Pat Dye Field. And of course, it's displayed on, you know, the, the overhang of the upper deck. But like, how many people really understand that the field is also named after one of these guys? So, yeah, I do think that it's perfect to literally put a face with a name of Jordan-Hare Stadium and Pat Dye Field and allow people who did not know these men personally, did not know their history, who are new to Auburn, new to Auburn football, new fans, young fans, whatever it may be, to to literally meet the, these men and to learn more about their history and, the, and where Auburn came from. I think that that's such an important detail of, you know, Auburn. Auburn loves to promote its history, but sometimes we see that they shy away from it at times. And to proudly display Auburn's history in this manner, I think is such a great way. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, It makes sense. Obviously you talk about the namesakes of the field and the facility. That's obviously the logical way to go there. And I think it's very poetic. We'll talk more about what actually looks like for those statues here in a second. I'll try to paint a picture uh, for everybody who wasn't able to be there because I I was there for the ceremony, but it's poetic that the two people that you walk past going through the gates underneath where it says Jordan Hare Stadium is Coach Jordan and Cliff Hare. 
I mean, those are the two that are, you know, mirroring that archway as whoever comes through those hallowed halls and uh, obviously the players mainly have to walk past and then not too far off right beside Shug is Pat kind of watching in closely. Uh, that's, that's very poetic and I'm not trying to make things out to be bigger and, you know, almost religious or anything like that, because that is not the way that I personally want to go. But I just think it's very, it kind of sends a little bit of a chill down your back thinking about it, that the intentionality that was taken with who the choices, but the way these things were placed. So I, I want to ask, I'm glad that you mentioned that too, because you know, when, when they finished building the pedestals for these three statues, I had personally thought that, Coach Dye would be on the one by himself, not, you know, Cliff Hare. But the way that you framed that, it's Pat Dye Field at Jordan Hare Stadium. So it kind of, you know, in that order, work mates out. Uh, I was kind of confused when they started placing them. And, you know, Coach Dye and Coach Jordan were side by side because I felt like that just, you know, chronologically didn't really make sense. And, you know, those two were not, honestly, I don't even know what the two met. Um, outside of you know, maybe just on the playing field when Coach Dye was a player at Georgia. Um, I will actually give you insight from that. We'll jump ahead just for a second and give you a preview of what I was told at the event. Uh, I think it was, I'm trying to remember the speaker who said it, but they said that Coach Jordan was at Pat Dye's house speaking with his father and she had talk to Pat about oh. playing for Auburn one day. Okay, uh, obviously it didn't work that. out. But, you know, he went to Georgia to be a player there and become a Bulldog. But, you know, there is that connection and that, you know, that I think that's what's almost so great about this, because you've got Cliff Hare, new Suge, Suge, new Pat. And now all of their names are on the facility together, kind of overarching and connecting us all at this point and different eras and different, you know, the beginning, uh, the foundation, the the middle and the heart of it and, you know, Pat bringing us to modern football. You know, that's, it's really, again, poetic. I'm going to use that word a lot here tonight. There's a lot of intentionality put in this. What I, what I do want to ask you though, and this may be nitpicking my part. I'll get to my opinion in just a second, but do you think they should have placed these statues somewhere else around the stadium? Any thoughts or do you like where they chose to put it at the, I guess it would be the South end zone. If I'm thinking right. I I do have some thoughts and I don't know the better answer um you know the the placement is interesting because it's still you know the the stadium is surrounded by street right now you've got donahue that runs straight across and then heisman drive that that circles the stadium and it's difficult to kind of put these in a place where people will see them and people will stop and get out and look at them or you know ease of access really right. I, i've been trying to think of where these could have been placed in a better sense and i don't right. know if there is i think that this is a much better placement than where the heisman statues are really along the i do i do <clears throat> because you know when you look at these three and of course you were there in person i haven't seen them personally myself but they're all right there they're all together the Heisman statues are spaced out considerably and there, you know, you can kind of get lost in the fact that these are supposed to be together, um, especially on game day. You know, they, they're just, there's enough of a gap in between them. And it's also, you know, we were talking about the, the way that they place the three 
you know, namesake statues, you kind of feel bad that Pat Sullivan's statue is even more distant from Cam and Bo's. You know, it, it's just, again, these are all the details that have to go into to planning to honor these men. And, you know, I'm not saying that any of them were bad. It's just, you know, it's almost an awkward placement. Um, but again, like, you're, if you're driving down Donahue, you are not going to see those Heisman statues. Right. No, nobody, you know, us casuals can't drive on Heisman Drive, especially during the, the school week. So you're not even going to, by chance, drive by them, at least with where they are now, you might be able to spot them from the road and have them catch your eye. Um, you know, one of the, the one idea that I had that I think might be a slightly better position is right across the street in what is currently the arena parking lot. I like, you know, the, the stretch of grass that separates Donahue from that first row of parking spots. And of course, we don't need to lose any parking spots in Auburn, but <laughs> if necessary, I'd be willing to sacrifice a couple for these statues. But I like the idea of having them all lined up in a row on, you know, I wish that that ground was a little bit more level to make this easier, but having them staring at the stadium, I think would be a really nice opportunity for more people to see them, more people to gather at them, better photo opportunities. Um, you know, I love to visit other campuses and see how they do things. And I'm not too fond of the athletic program. I, one of my favorite campuses is the university of Oklahoma. It's a beautiful campus, but well, think about the top, space that they have too. Right. And, you know, for this purposes, right. Their, their football stadium is also encompassed or encircled by a street, but right across the street from the stadium they had their Heisman Trophy uh, statues erected. And they're all right there together. They're placed in such a way that you you do get the history of the program and the history of the men who won those those trophies and who impacted the the program. And I think that that's such a, you know, it's almost like a little statue park. Right. Well, and when you, you have that amount them. of them, you can do something like that. But Auburn's only got three Heisman's at this point. So, you know, right. And they might, I think they, I don't know if they're all Heisman statues or not, honestly. But, you know, then you go down to Florida and they have their three Heisman trophy winner statues r- along the stadium wall. And it's almost awkward. <laughs> Like they, they almost get lost. You know, you can walk around the corner circling the stadium and not see them. Right. You can't. And they're like in the flower bed. So they are butted up right next to the stadium. You can't climb on them like you can at Auburn and, and Oklahoma, which I think is a different story, but you just, you can't even get close to them. You can't look at all the details. You can't, you know, you're almost separated from them a little too much. And I don't like that design either but i wish that auburn had a little bit more specific place that we could put the statues and of course would be remiss if we didn't mention alabama's placement and i honestly don't even i don't even know a whole lot about alabama's placement of statues for obvious reasons but um i like the idea of having a central area that you can you know this is a historic acre 
kind of thing. Like, this is where you go to learn the history of Auburn athletics. I listen, you know, I think there's several ways that you could do this. I'll give you mine very briefly of what I wish they would do. Now, this is contingent that the there was a little bit more space on the opposite side of uh, the stadium of the Heisman trophies, because if you look at the way the Heisman trophy statues, the three that we have are spaced out, they were put, if you're staring at the stadium to the left, which most people forget that there is a bust of one of our head football coaches, John Heisman named after, you know, obviously Heisman drives named after him um, at the center on that side, what would be the East side of the stadium. Um, and then to the left in you know, sequential order go the Heisman trophies. Clearly, they designed that, planning to have more go in the opposite way. It's just you don't just spread them out in one right. direction without an intentionality. So I think over <laughs> Absolutely. time, I agree with that. It's going to make sense, you know. I, I think you know if you get so many, you're going to have to go with an idea like Clint's and have some type of <laughs> monument park or something like that. Where that's going to go, your guess is as good as mine. We can put them at the top of the parking deck next to the stadium. <laughs> everybody can a green space. Everybody can go up there and just like admire all of them. Um, no, 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 no. We have I, to have we have to have a Cam Newton gargoyle staring at the stadium. Oh, that would be so good. That would be <laughs> so good, Clint. Oh, I love this. this. This is supposed to be us talking about these statues. We're not supposed to be brainstorming. But anyway, I really think that they should have, and there's some spacing issues there, put the coaches on the opposite side. And here's why. Because I can I could see in my little creative mind this thing forming around the stadium you've got one side mirrored with heisman trophy which is our greatest players one side mirrored with our greatest coaches and administrators you know obviously you got to include cliff Heron there there's not too many more coaches we'll talk about in just a second i keep teasing towards that that you can add to that list um so it's not like it's going to get too crowded on that side you've already got a tiger statue leading into tiger walk and into the stadium people forget that the eagle's nest used to be on the opposite end zone or near it what if it we was, had? It was in the green space. Uh, that's that's true. That's true. I forgot that, but it was that direction. We need a giant eagle that just sits on that hill where the visitors come out of and stares at them when they come out after they've been beat down by us. So I'm being a little funny, but I also think that'd be cool. One side's a tiger, one side's an eagle, one side's the greatest players, one side's the greatest coaches, and just surrounding the hallowed hall that is Jared Heron at that field. All right, I'm done. We have dreamed enough, but I, I think for now. And I think what they did and what this is going to mean for tradition and for what these players that as we time goes on, you know, they're going to forget why these names are on the stadium and on the field. And now they know and they have to walk past them every single time. And someone's going to look at them and tell the story of why these guys are important. Hey, Auburn fans, I want to take a quick time out from this episode to bring your attention to something very special. Here at the E2C Network, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best content for Auburn fans out there. And best of all, it's free to you. But just because it's free doesn't mean there aren't costs, especially when you have a library of hundreds of podcasts, videos, blogs, and more. Many of you have reached out and asked how you can support this network in the past. Well, now I have your answer. It's called the E2C Network Booster Club over at patreon.com slash E2C Network. There you'll find a membership monthly reward system where you can sign up for as little as $1 and get different perks at different tiers. Some of those perks include things such as apparel, eligibility to join us on future podcasts, recognition as an E2C network booster, exclusive communications, and bonus content that is available nowhere else. 
If you love this network and want to help us keep producing podcasts like this one, please head on over to patreon.com slash E2C network to join the E2C network booster club. You can also get there by going to our website, E2Cnetwork.com slash support. Whether you decide to join or not, we are still so appreciative that you would support us by just listening and being here because each and every one of you is part of our E2C Network family. Well, that's it. Timeout's over. Let's get back into the episode. We have spent way too much time talking about history and stuff like that. We got to talk about this statue uh, all of these statues and some significant things around them and maybe some future stuff. Would you mind if I kind of give just a very brief overview of the event and then we can kind of get some impressions from you? Yeah, go for it. All right. So again, I'm going to try not to ramble on too much, but for those of you that weren't able to be there, it was held the Friday before the Auburn Georgia game of 2021. Ugh, literally ugh. Um, so the result of the game wasn't all that great, but it was a very poetic, I keep using that word weekend uh, because there were a lot of dignitaries other than Auburn people that came to this event. Uh, Vince Dooley, uh, who had a strong connection, obviously, with Auburn as a grad and a former player, but chose to be the Georgia guy. Um, but a strong connection with Pat Dye was there. Uh, Gene Stallings was also there in attendance, as well as uh, you know members of the Cliff Hare family, the Jordan family, and the Pat Dye family. Um, it was literally a mini, like, little family reunion that was happening there. And there was a very, what I'll call a modest crowd. I mean, it was filled up the streets, you know, people weren't on the streets, but they were packed into the available spaces there. And uh, they basically had um, about eight speakers. Uh, Jimmy Rain, uh, one of our top boosters, got up there and spoke. Obviously, Andy Bertram kind of emceed the event um, and then several others as well. But they would, each time a one was revealed, obviously starting with Cliff Air, they would have a family member come up and unveil the statue. And then a significant person to that individual come up and speak. So it was the grandson uh, of Cliff Hare who spoke for him. Uh, it was, and I'm blanking right now, uh, Terry Henley who came up and spoke for um, Ralph Shugjurton after his uh, family had gotten up there and said thank you. And then for Pat Dye, obviously his son was the one who unveiled and spoke a little bit. And Bo got up there and spoke. And I think we all knew when we were leading to that moment with Pat this was something that for those in attendance and those who were able to watch it on that the Auburn family really needed because as they addressed in the event that they were planning a public memorial where people could come and pay their respects to the family and to Pat Dye. But because of COVID, we weren't able to do that. And so Pat Dye Jr. even admitted that he's basically was giving his what eulogy he would have given there. And I got to tell you, if you didn't have a little, little dust in your eye in that moment, you ain't got a soul <laughs> because that was, that was, it was a great job by him eulogizing his father and Bo as well. And there are a lot of fun stories shared, and I hope that you can go back and you can watch it on our YouTube channel and whatever quality we have up there. You know, Wi-Fi in Auburn's not that great, but there's several other people. The universities even put it out. I recommend that you go do that. So the event was great. Clint, any thoughts from what you were able to watch online, things that you took away from the unveiling and that um, just great time that the Auburn family had together? Well, my first one was who is actually speaking <laughs> because and, and I had to go back and watch it because I missed some of the the feed live but I did not recognize Tim Jackson Tim Jackson that's I knew I forgot somebody important At yes oh I, I mean dude has a full-on beard now I was like who is this guy I had no idea who he was um you know I thought it was such a great moment for 
for Auburn um, to, to bring these families back and to showcase these, these great men and to honor them. But I thought it spoke volumes for those three men and the, you know, the Auburn community as a whole to have Gene Stallings and Vince Dooley in person. You right. know, these, and I think it speaks even more volumes to those two men personally. Um, you know, Dooley was an incredible Auburn athlete, actually coached on the Auburn team after he graduated and did amazing work at Georgia and built them into such a powerhouse. And, you know, I, I had honestly only recently heard about Dooley declining the job at Auburn. And that's why, you know, coach Dye got the job. So it was funny to hear that again, but, you know, Gene Stallings is such an incredible person. And I shared this on Twitter and I want to share it here too. Um, my grandfather was a master electrician and he was electrocuted on the job and spent the last couple of days of his life in the hospital at UAB. And he died, you know, a couple of months, maybe a year plus before I was born. So I never got to meet him, but he grew up a big Alabama fan. Uh, my mom's siblings are both big Alabama fans. So uh, I can't remember exactly the details, but I believe my uncle called the Alabama coach's office and told them, you know, that a huge fan and an amazing quarterback in his own time. Uh, I think he'd been recruited by Alabama at one point too, but that they told, they told Alabama that he was dying. And, you know, if, if coach Stallings could stop by or something and, you know, thankfully coach Stallings was actually on a recruiting trip in Birmingham and stopped by the hospital and spent time with my family. And he has always been very special to my family ever since that day, even, you know, the, the Auburn loving side of the family. So, you know, just to have those guys in Auburn, just speaks volumes for, for everything. And it was such a cool moment to, to know that they were in town. And I was so glad that mm -hmm. uh, everybody who spoke, you know, yeah. mentioned them because we didn't get much, uh, much coverage watching it on online. So, I, yeah. you know, again, it was just a, it was a special moment for Auburn and such a, such an amazing day to, to celebrate Auburn's history in that manner. Well, and the cool thing about this is there was some humility to the event because, you know, it wasn't like widely broadcasted. You had to go on social media accounts to watch it, like whether it was ours or somebody else at the universities. It wasn't like on TV or anything like that. Yeah, you can go watch a news clip about it, but it's not like it was must-see event. But right. yet at the same time, these dignitaries from the two biggest rival schools and others show up. And not just, you know, because it was a football game that weekend for Georgia that was of significance for us and them, but because it was they wanted to be there to honor these men and specifically for, you know, Pat and Suge with the most connection to them. Um, so, yeah, I think that even makes it almost it's it's humble, yet no less important. And I think those two things mirrored of, of not being widely broadcast, but having such dignitaries there spoke to that. Um, but, yeah, really great event. And I We'll just encourage anybody, if you can, go to these type of things, but it, you don't want to miss out on moments like that. Let's talk about these statues, though. Let's start with Cliff Air. Um, you know, you can go online. We've shared some pictures that everybody has and see these for yourselves if you want to kind of watch along while we're describing it. It's And I'm not going into great detail here. Uh, from the pictures that we've seen of Cliff Air, look just like him to me, if I'm honest. 
Um, I think what was cool and what most people try to do when they capture someone in an art piece, whether it's statue, a painting or something like they try to put something into it that reminds you of them or speaks to a story behind them. And what you'll see is a man in a very nice suit, uh, you know, to the time at least, and uh, holding a cigar box. And Clint even had to ask me online, which I was shocked. <laughs> I got to inform the czar of tradition on some things, which I learned obviously that weekend anyway. It was a cigar box that used to be carried around by Cliff Hare where they would collect the money for the ticket stubs and hold it during the games. And then he would go sit down with whoever was the official um, money, I guess, collector for the other university. And they would just humbly split up the money together from that cigar box. Um, So I thought that was a unique and very now poignant way to kind of put the dot on that statue what did you take away from the statue, Clint? Anything else or just thoughts about it? So, so, you know, a little peek behind the curtain. I posted about the statues on the Auburn Uniform database pages, and I reached out to you, Kyle, to see if I could use your images for the post. And the plan all along was to find the reference photo and put them side by side. And I could not find anything on Cliff Hare. There's one portrait you know, from mid chest up, but I could not find anything that gave any resemblance to the rest of this body or even the, the cigar bot. So, you know, again, these are history lessons and, and I learned so much about this man on, on Friday <laughs> and the rest of the weekend. You know, like, like you said, I had to test you, like, what is the deal with the cigar bots? Cause yeah, you asked me, what was the book I was holding? Yeah. It, it looks like a book. I couldn't, you can't tell what it was from, you know, and again, I think that that's where a nice plaque would have been useful for these. Um, you know, the front of the pedestal just has their name and their position. Uh, you know, I don't know if there was more, you know, that was available in person, but some some storytelling aspects to these would be really beneficial, especially for the cigar box. Right. Yeah, we got to go into the bowels of RBD library and look at some of the historical documents back there to get that type of stuff. Pull out the scanner things back in the dark room, you know, <laughs> really deep down there in the bowels of that building. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, there's not a lot that I can share that's going to do more justice to the Cliff Air statue. Um, obviously, it makes sense to have him there. And I, from like I said, from everything I've seen and known about him, it just, it, I saw it, the thing unveiled, and I was like, yeah, that's Cliff Air. Even if I didn't know the cigar box story until a few minutes later when they told it, um, you know, it was a cool little touch on there. Let's talk about Suge. Can I be honest with you, Clint? Go for it. I, you know, I got heat for this when I shared my reaction video about all this stuff the day of on, on our YouTube channel. That thing got unveiled and I said, that ain't Suge. <laughs> uh, honestly, you know, when I finally got up close and it, it is clearly Suge and looks just like him. Uh, you know, in the testament to that is the family member saying, and I I'm, feels like I'm standing next to him is what they basically said. And uh, while they were up there. And um, I think the thing for me, I wasn't anticipating what I think is called the bucket hat. Uh, but, you know, Suge <laughs> wore that all the time. And I've seen pictures with him, but I just I guess I wasn't anticipating that because most of my memories and not memories, but images that I have of him in my head from seeing video and stuff. Is he, he doesn't wear a hat as much as I thought, or at least right. I had in my mind. So that I think is what threw me off. Um, he's wearing a jacket, kind of like a little windbreaker jacket with Auburn, uh, I think it's Auburn University on it, maybe not or Auburn Tigers. Well, Auburn Athletic Department. That's what it was. 
And so I think, um, you know, very, I think, reminiscent to what he was as a guy. You know, he wasn't the suit and tie type of guy, uh, but he still had, kind of had a dignified look, but still wore a bucket you, hat, you know? You say that, you say that. Um, especially later in his career, he did wear, um, you know, a button down and a tie. I don't sure. know if he ever wore a coat with it, but um, he was a snazzy dress coach at times. And, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, I had a similar reaction. Um, I was not very fond of this pose for coach Jordan. And I think it works because it's very subdued. You know, we talked recently when uh, we celebrated Shud's birthday that he was a quieter man. He was not going to go out and right. boast about his accomplishments. You know, he, you're not going to hear about coach Jordan like you hear about other coaches, especially nowadays. And I think that this pose really shows just how, you know, the quiet giant that he was. Um, but I yeah. wish that they, I don't, I really wish that they hadn't gone with such an older depiction of him. Yeah. Cause this, this looks like it's towards the end of his coaching career. And he died less than five years after retiring in 1975. So I think that there were some other poses, some better pictures that we could have gone with to, to better showcase that you can still go with the, you know, the hands in the back pocket pose, yep. um, you know, the, the, the Auburn athletic department windbreaker is such an iconic look of his that I think people would really connect with that one. So I'm okay with that. Um, the bucket hat, again, I'm, I'm with you. I don't, I'm not too big a fan of the bucket hat, but he did wear a yep. fedora at times. And, you know, if you want some more ammo, let's talk more about this later. Coach Jordan actually wore houndstooth, not Coach Bryant. <laughs> so they had very similar styles of hats, especially in the late 70s or in the in the 70s. And I think that would have been another, you know, item that you could have depicted him in slightly better. Um, but this was actually the one image that I could find a resource photo of. And it's actually from the autobiography or the, yeah. the biography by Rich Donald of Coach Jordan. And that's exactly where this image comes from. That's yeah. very clear in my eyes to, to see that with the, the floppier hat, the, the loose windbreaker and the hands in the back pocket. Um, yeah. you know, and again, I don't want to, I don't want to harp on the, the source image because the family's actually got to pick these. Thank you. And I was about to say that. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, Whatever the family wants is what the family gets at this point. I'm perfectly yeah. fine with that. Um, I, I would just be interested to know um, if there was any hesitation to go with a a, a younger looking Coach Jordan. You know, in '73, they honored him by naming the state by naming the stadium Jordan Hare Stadium. And I'm actually staring at an image of him right now from that dedication ceremony, and he's in a full suit and he looks considerably younger. And I, I think that that could have been a useful image to go with as well. And, right. you know, he, he struggled health wise towards the end of his life, um, you know, especially after he retired, but I, you know, he had, he, he fought cancer and, and leukemia. I'm wondering if this image was not taken from, you know, 75 when he was, wearing down and, and ready to to call it a career 
Right. And for those listening, you know, we're not, this is not necessarily a critique because again, we defer to what the families want. And, it, and it's kind of, po- I guess I keep saying it poetic that the families. Of the night, Auburn, take a drink. Right. <laughs> uh, Auburn is all about family and the families of these people got to cho- choose what pose or what way they were depicted in. And, um, you know, I think it's just one of those things that you have these images in your head of what you're expecting. And it just, for me, it didn't meet up with that at that, at that time. But when you go up to it and you walk amongst it and you're standing amongst the quiet giant, I mean, that's literally what you feel. Right. And you feel like you're staring, you know, at him. And I, you know, most of us to this day are, have never had any association with him in his life. But, uh, you know, I, I wonder if they chose an older statesman type of pose for him or just image of him just because the majority of us, he was close enough where there's some kind of familiarity we can reach to even if we may not have been alive during his time whereas right. cliff air you could just say oh well most people have only seen a you know a drawn portrait of him so we can right. <laughs> take whatever we want of him so you know yeah. we'll never and, know that answer probably you know i want to i want to throw this out too you know the the what's the word i'm looking for the the difference that you were feeling when they revealed the statue and it wasn't what you were expecting you know i think that kind of a good comparison is like when you're reading a book you are implying the voices of the characters right and you build the image of what they look like what the setting looks like what they sound like in your head and then when they make a movie about it and they didn't cast the characters in a way that you thought they would or should have like it's that you know it's that same kind of diff, you know issue it's that same difference and and but yeah it's like you expected something in your head and they casted it literally um, in a different, you know, manner this time. And, and it's just, you know, it's not wrong. It's just different from what you were expecting. And let me use this perfect segue to talk about two plugs for the channel here, but I'm going to use this for an important point here. That is why the Auburn story is what it is. Everyone thinks that their story, whether it's their personal story of themselves or experiences they have or the way they knew particular individuals at Auburn, even if it wasn't someone famous. We do a series called Auburn Roots, and I can't tell you whether it was a familiar voice that you've heard of or a name you've heard of before or somebody you just – I picked up off – that sounds bad, but somebody you just never would have met before. <laughs> I know. I, I stopped myself there. But you know, the point is from the common name to the well-known name, most of them say no one wants to hear my story. And every single time I walk away, thank you for telling me your story because I never knew this angle. I never knew this perspective. And it's broadened my love for Auburn because of that. So that just to your point about we see certain things, even though there's certain facts that can't be denied and stuff like that, we see our image of Suge. And even if it doesn't line up with it, doesn't mean it's necessarily was wrong. Right. All right. Let's talk about Pat Dye because I don't think maybe I don't think Clint disagrees with this, but when that uh, curtain came down and unveiled that statue, I think everyone had this image in their mind of how Pat Dye was going to be depicted. To me, it was always going to be that classic ball cap he had on with the single A, wearing his dress shirt, tie, and clapping, like are getting in the pose for clapping. I knew that's how they were going to do it. I don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it was just the weirdest contrast for me, Clint, because I went from like, all right, I know how Suge's going to be depicted. Nope. Here comes Pat to the T. Right. How I knew he was going to be depicted. 
And can you imagine like the pressure to pick the thing for Cliff Air and Suge, but to get the one that's right that's the most raw and everyone's you know minds and hearts right now with Pat Dye recently passing in the past couple of years? Can you imagine the pressure to get that right? And wow, did they? I uh, yes, I, I I love Coach Dye's statue. I think it is a spitting image of what he looked like when he was, you know, especially early in his coaching career here at Auburn. Um, It's, it is the pose that I 100% expected to see him in. And, you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this one, but, you know, Pat Dye Jr. spoke at the event and, and, you know, Jimmy Rain also spoke and they were talking about how, you know, honored they were and it's, you know, happy they were to tell Coach Dye about this honor before he passed and how humbled he was because of it. And uh, Dye Jr. said that they, he got to sit down with his father and pick out images of what his statue would look like. And he's the only one of these three that got that honor. Um, and I think that that's really special that, you know, yeah, that's, that's Pat Dye up there. But that's Pat Dye's hand-picked pose that he wanted to be depicted in. And, you know, again, I could not find a, sam- uh, a source image for, for this statue. <laughs> I, I searched and searched. And I was going to be okay if I couldn't find one of uh, Cliff Hare. But when I can only find should germs, was like that, that idea is out the window. Uh, I, was, I was desperate to find this one. I think probably because even though the image that we have of him now in the statue form uh, probably was one that was taken by somebody, but not a particular angle. Probably the only the family has the access to that one uh, is probably why we're not able to find those ones out there. Or they've just been bought up by someone and we'll never see the light of day. <laughs> so, either way, I mean, listen, I don't know. Other than saying it, it's just perfect. Uh, I've, I've heard some people say actually that they didn't think it looked like him. And, and I, I countered with them and said, well, I mean, I felt the same way about Suge, so I can't argue with you. And then I've been berated about that. So again, it goes back to the point, you know, everybody's got this image of how these guys are supposed to be picked or even, you know, if anybody, a man or woman, the significant figures at Auburn or anywhere, how they're supposed to be picked. And you're going to just, sometimes you'll be just a little bit disappointed if it's not the way it is, but to me, and I think to the majority of the Auburn family, this is what we envisioned, and it is just brilliant. Uh, yeah, it was, it was the it. perfect punctuation point on that day. It really was. It was <clears throat> awesome. You know, and, and I think that this is a, an interesting contrast to Coach Jordan's that, you know, Shug was depicted older and later in his career, yet we have Coach Dye here, and this is clearly early in his career at Auburn and right. much younger. And, you know, again, we, like, like we've been saying, you and I and our generation have, you know, we, we know of coach Dye, maybe not during his coaching career, but during his, you know, retirement years and, and, you know, the, how much age really did to him and, and how he was, how he looked later in his life. And um, it's, it's kind of refreshing to see him young again. Right. I guess. Well, and I, I think, again, when you talk about the way Cliff looked, the way Suge looked, and the way Pat looked, they probably went with more of the image that would be more appropriate to what the people now know them as. Again, easier for Cliff, in a sense, because there's not as much familiar with Suge. People know the older version of him, probably the best in the sense that those of us now have learned about him. 
And then with Pat, you know, it's harder to see that again, how he had aged and was dealing with health issues and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, just brilliance. Just, I, I mean, I wish I could go shake the guy's hand who did that one and just, just thank you so much for capturing. Uh, here, can we, can we plug something else? Go ahead. Uh, Andy Bertram's podcast with the yeah. Auburn Tigers <laughs> actually interviewed the creative team that did all three statues. Right. So I haven't had a chance to listen to it myself, but it's definitely on my list. And another plug here on Auburn Roots, uh, episode 35, we interviewed Andy Bertram and he previewed, he never said names, but you know, when I remember being on the call with him on zoom and we were doing it on video and uh, he kind of had, he told me there's statues coming in. That's all I'm going to say. And he had that twinkle in his eye and we, I like, I could hear his voice without him saying it, which ones they were like, I just knew, <laughs> you know, it was just one of those things that you just know that's going to happen. So anyway, speaking of that, what's coming, let's talk about that. But I, I think we've encapsulated everything that we could from the event and the statues themselves. Uh, you guys online, please share if you've got something else that you took away from the statues very briefly, Clint, as we close out the show today, I want us to talk about the future. And I do want to point out from my perspective, there's obviously we talked about on the left side, if you're staring at the stadium, there's Pat and then Suge right before the arch starts for the entrance to Tiger Walk. On the other side, there's Cliff Air and just him. It makes sense to have those two there over the archway. But I will tell you, there is a lot of open space that was purposely, I think, doctored in a way to prepare the way for the future. <laughs> And more statues to come because I can't tell you some of the first responses I got after this is why wasn't this coach included? Why wasn't that coach? And I want to talk about that for a second, but I also want to take one off the table. And I hope you'll forgive me for this. I'm taking John Heisman off the table for obvious reasons. He's got a bust and he is going to be part and he's already part of what I'm calling Heisman. He's on Heisman Drive, first of all, his, his road's right in front of him. But he's amongst his players, so to speak, in, in, in a sense, his generation of players that <laughs> now bear his namesake because of their award. So John Heisman, and he had a shorter tenure than most at Auburn, somewhat right. shorter. So he's honored. So I'm taking John Heisman off the table. Let's just assume there's two more spaces available next to Cliff Air. Coach, administrator, who goes there, Clint? Oof. Well, I'm glad that you did take Heisman off because I agree with you. He he already has his place. He only spent four years at Auburn. And, you know, Auburn can it, – it, Auburn is the only school in the country that has Heisman Trophy winners that Heisman coached at. I think that is – you know, I don't want to say that's the extent to the relationship, but that's the extent of the relationship at that point. I do think – there are two people in particular that need to be honored. Maybe not in a statue, but we can, you know, well, maybe, I, maybe I'm going to push for statue, though. I'm going to say I want statues, Clint. But you can so, go ahead and say, talk about who you wanted to, but I want two statues. And we might have the same. I'd be interested to know. Um, number one, George Petrie. Boom. Absolutely. I think that, you know, again, he was the very first coach. He only coached one season. He coached four games. But he birthed Auburn football. And I, I actually just received in the mail this week the, um, the book, Auburn Man, The Life and Times of George Petrie by Mike Jernigan. And I am very, very excited to dive into this. And I actually heard Mike speak a couple of years ago on the life of George Petrie. And he's such a fascinating person and such a 
big part of Auburn athletics and Auburn University and the city of Auburn's history, you know, and Petrie mentored and taught Coach Jordan and the connections that Petrie has to Auburn people outside of Auburn is so fascinating. And the fact that he only has a building named after him that has fallen completely out of the realm of what it used to be is really sad. I would love to see Petrie Hall be restored to its glory days and more honoring George Petrie. Right. And how awesome would that to be go right next to Cliff Air? And yes. you and you kind of see the story that's developing. You got Suge and and Pat Dye, who are at least for modern Auburn fans, the greatest Auburn coaches. You know, it, it's easy for us to lose the history, you know, and forget that even though George Petrie played only a few games, he's still the father of Auburn football. Those guys are together, but then you've got the true foundation layers you've got cliff air and the administrator then you've got right next to him and and might i point even now if you put him right next to there and you start talking about symmetry you've got george petrie looking at his protege in suge jordan across the way almost kind of they if they were like sitting and just staring at each other it's it's kind of eerie like in a good way (laughs) you know i I think i think petrie is the easy choice for that fourth spot along the Tiger Walk statues. I, I have no disagreements with you, sir. I'm not even gonna. I don't even have anything further to say on it. So, what's number two? Number two is the man that brought green jerseys to Auburn, Jack Barr. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. Oh my I'm gosh, kidding. I, Dan, done. <laughs> oh, no, number two is Mike Donahue. Amen. Uh, you know, the man coached for a long time at Auburn and did amazing things at Auburn. Dude has almost a 75% winning percentage in his tenure at Auburn. And I, again, this is where I wish I knew more about him. Somebody teach me about Mike Donahue. Let's build a statue about him and teach me more about him. Yep. I think those are your four, I think those are your four statues, four or five statues. I, I think, honestly, if they put Mike Donahue, I've already set you up for it. It was like a softball, Clint, and you just knocked it out of the park. <laughs> the the beginnings of Auburn football, Cliff Air, George Petrie, and Mike Donahue, who we could make a case could have been Suge Jordan before Suge Jordan, you know, when he was coming right. up, you know, because of his tenure, his legacy, his winning percentage for crying out loud. You know, Mike Donahue was a beast. And to have them together looking across at the two guys that carried their tradition to what it is now and arguably make, you know, maintaining what they started. That's really cool. Yeah. And so, you know, I've even told you kind of off the air that I think technically they could put three more over there with Cliff Air. But in my <laughs> mind, it is obvious that there was a t- there's a time coming where those two statues should and can. Now, there's debate. Do we wait a long, 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 long time? And maybe we look back at Tommy Tuberville and I don't know, you know, his, you could compare his tenure to Pat Dyes in terms of not necessarily see championships and things like that. But I'm just speculating here. You know, there's going to be conversations. Well, do you include Gene there? Because he won our, our second national title. Eh, we'll talk, you know, we can have conversations about that some other time. But that's a long way off. We haven't reached a tenure level to have that discussion for those guys yet. Right. Mike Donahue and George Petrie, Auburn University. I know I don't have any pool with you, even though I gave you thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. <laughs> but please, 
bring me George Preachy. Bring me Mike Donahue staring at the road that's named after him across the way. <laughs> Please. Uh, we Again, these statues are all about Auburn's history. And the three men that have been erected this weekend are probably the three biggest impactors of Auburn football's history. But we have an opportunity to add a couple of more gigantic impactors into Auburn football history along the same line. And you know, again, this, this goes back into, you know, if you honor one, you got to honor them all. Right. And I think that, you know, despite that phrasing, I think that George Petrie, especially, and Mike Donahue have earned that right to be erected beside their colleagues. Right. Well, and it makes sense. Like, you know, you honor the guys whose names are on the facility first. You know, that that makes total sense. So I'm not arguing whether Mike and George should have already been there. Um, I understand if that is the case and what they're planning. And, you know, you make another big event about it, maybe a year or two years down the road. I have no information, people. I'm just speculating here. Um, <laughs> you know, we've got some big games in the 2022 season. I'm just saying. <laughs> it, it, it took almost 10 years to erect these after we erected the very first statues. Um, I, I'm, I'm not trying to ignore what you just said there, but I just figured out when they should do this. Uh -oh. Guess who comes to town next year where Mike Donahue coached? I'm LSU. LSU. <laughs> That's if a you, short turnaround, bro. <laughs> it is a short turnaround, but hey, if you want to make something poetic, there you go. We, we tied it in with Pat Dye in, in Georgia. Why not Mike and LSU? I, I agree, but we would we, we would be remiss if we didn't mention you know some other athletes and, and impactful people who should be honored in similar ways across Auburn athletics. And you know we just got the first basketball, we got the first non-football statue erected of um, Charles Barkley at the arena a couple of years ago. But I think there are a couple of women's basketball players that also deserve that honor, and, and Ruthie Bolton, Vicky Orr. Um, yep. You know, there, there are a lot of amazing athletes that have come through Auburn and amazing coaches. You know, give me, give me a Joe Champy uh, statue alongside yeah. Ruth, uh, Vicky Orr and Ruthie Bolton. Like, let me, let me see that one day. <laughs> I'd like to see Sonny Smith and Joe Champy staring at each other on the opposite sides of the arena. I would love to talk about that with Coach Champion and stun him on the golf course. Oh, buddy. We are just <laughs> set, setting this. We'll just have to one day, probably this summer, you know, when things are slow, we'll set up a time to do another discussion about ways to honor, you know, maybe just a statue show, but other people that should be honored. But I, I love a vision of Champion and Sonny staring at each other on the entrance to the Auburn Arena. And, uh, oh, okay, that's enough. We can't go. We've gone. We said we were going to do 30 minutes, but here we are an hour later, and we still probably Thanks. rushed through some of this thing. Clint, as always, you being the czar of Auburn tradition, I thank you for your insights and your commitment to making sure Auburn fans understand our history. So thank you for your perspectives. Okay, for. And if you want to uh, share where they can find you and keep up to date with all things aesthetics and history for Auburn, where can they find you? You can follow me on Twitter at ClintAU24, and you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Auburn Uniforms. And, of course, you can always check out the Auburn Uniform database at AuburnUniforms.com. And if you want to follow me, you can do so on Twitter at TigerI24. Thank you for tuning in this episode. We hope you enjoyed learning about the history of these men and the history of Auburn. Until we talk to you again, War Eagle. War Eagle.
Thank you for tuning in today's episode on the E2C Network. On your way out, I want to remind you to stop by E2Cnetwork.com. It's your one-stop shop for all our content across our podcast, YouTube channel, and much more. To stay up to date with us, make sure you're following social media accounts such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. While our content here may always be Auburn sports heavy, if it's orange and blue, it's what we do. War Eagle.